This episode of Ear Buddies, it's brought to you by Ben Affleck. Ben's back. He's an actor, film director, producer, screenwriter, lucky in love, and living a quiet, nice life. It's Ben Affleck. Kenny Loggins. And I'm his friend Messina. <laughs> and this is Ear Buddies. Oh, buddy, I've been dying to talk Yacht Rock for a long time. How about you? Well, Tim, we've uh, we've covered a lot of topics here on Ear Buddies. Um, doing a great job, never miss a Monday. But this is, uh, is going to be a special one because not only, Tim... Do you and I love yacht rock, which which we'll get into? Yes, but uh, it's a special it's a special day for our podcast. Um, I'll I'll let you continue, Tim. I'll let you share the news. Well, it's because Matt, of course, it's because we. Uh, and if you clicked on the episode, I'm sure you saw in the title uh, that we are joined by a guest, and this is this is a real live guest, folks. We snagged a big one. It's a. Uh, Hollywood Steve Huey. Steve. Hi, everybody. He's here. Hey, hey it's great to be here. Well, it's, uh, it's great to have you. Uh, Hollywood Steve. Do you like to, should I call you Hollywood? Should I call you Steve? <laughs> Mr. Whatever, Huey? whatever you feel most comfortable with. I answer to all of the above. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so you are a certifiable expert, a scholar, I would dare say, on the genre that is Yacht Rock, which is what we're going to be talking all about today. Um, and it's a fascinating story, I think. It's a fascinating new genre that, uh, well, I mean, it, it, the music existed, but the classification... Right. New old genre. There you yeah. go. It's a, it's a new old genre. Uh, so, Steve, you played a role in creating this classification. Can you kind of walk us through how this happened? Where did the term Yacht Rock come from? So the term Yacht Rock came from uh, some friends of mine and I were, uh, you know, we're living out in LA. We're all broke. We got nothing to do. Uh, so my friends started buying $1 vinyl at uh, Amoeba Records, a big, big old music store out here in LA and up in the Bay Area as well. And, uh, the stuff that was available for $1 was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of soft rock type stuff because there wasn't much demand for it in, uh, you know, 2005. Sure. And um, <laughs> so we would get together and we'd have cookouts at uh, uh, one of my friends' apartments a lot back then because, hey, you just step out on the balcony, grill some hot dogs and listen to $1 record. It's real cheap. <laughs> So we would read the we would read the credits on these records and and like oh hey there's like did you just see the same the same names keep popping up on these mm. records like oh we're the Doobie Brothers have these guys and the Toto has oh wait there's these Toto guys on this other record oh with this, oh Steely Dan has a bunch of these guys and uh, so we tried to name the genre the different uh, different terms were bandied about. Okay. Uh, 
Marina Rock was one of them because it rhymes with Marina Rock. That was, uh, <laughs> that's that's good too. That's that good. Really that was good. that was my buddy Dave. Uh-huh. Uh, had that one left over from college, but at a previous <laughs> attempt to name the genre. But uh, we looked at uh, we looked at we looked at the cover of Loggins and Messina's Full Sail album, where they're on a boat, and uh, we listened to <laughs> Sailing by Christopher Cross, and we were like. Maybe maybe this is yacht rock. All these guys sailing around in their fancy boats on, in Southern California back in the seventies. Maybe that's what this is. So I I, I personally cannot claim credit for for coming up with the term, but. Uh, I was I was near I was next <laughs> to the people who did it. It wouldn't have happened without you in some sense. Let's just say that. That's that's what I like to think and hope. <laughs> so can you kind of tell us what yacht rock is? It's soft rock, we've established that. You've you've name dropped a few, you know, Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers. But what uh, what are the uniting characteristics of yacht rock? All right, so this is going to differ a bit from what the term has come to to mean in the popular imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we were looking at names names and credit lists and who played on all of each other's records. So to us, which we didn't clarify very well in the original web series, but to us, Yacht Rock was supposed to be the sound of this Southern California session musician scene that had all these guys who played on Steely Dan records, the guys in Toto. Uh Um, It's this kind of extended, very extended Steely Dan family tree where these guys played on Steely Dan records and then they go forth into the world and they do their own projects and they meet these other people who kind of get in on the sound. And Mm -hmm. this sound takes shape as sort of the product of a hive mind of all these guys who are working together behind the scenes mostly. To us, it's not just soft rock. It's sort of like a a subset of soft rock that may also encompass a little harder rocking stuff, usually a Steve Lukather's playing guitar on it. But it's got, it's, it's a mixture of like soft pop, like adult contemporary type stuff, rock, jazz, and R&B. And those last two, those last two elements are key. True yacht rock, in our opinion, because we made up the term and we get to say, <laughs> "Well, right, right." True yacht rock, in our opinion, has to be—it has to show evidence that it is aware of the existence of black music. Ooh, all right, <laughs> that, that's important. Like it's not just it's not just like the Starland vocal band singing about afternoon delight, strumming in a guitar around mm. a campfire and harmonizing together. It's gotta have it's gotta have that extra sophistication, that musicality, yeah. that uh, that jazziness, that uh-huh. harmonic and melodic and rhythmic sophistication that pushes it up into the higher end of music, which is what the yacht was supposed to be a metaphor for. It wasn't just supposed to be songs that are literally about boats okay amazing <laughs> more of a metaphor amazing that is i am i'm thrilled to hear that because of course you know the general public has no idea uh because obviously now yacht rock if people know what it is 
uh, they don't think it's what necessarily what you just described, right? Yes, exactly. They think of it as a synonym for soft rock, yeah. or they think of it as a synonym for just kind of like kind of general 80s music, it seems like. Right, yeah. just sort of the soft, like a, you know, electric piano and just sort of edgeless uh, vibes, right? So, yeah, they think of it as very, very white music. Yes, like unbelievably white. <laughs> About as white as it yeah. can get, right, yeah. Yes. So that's that's okay. That's very important, and I would like all of everyone in the uh, the ear buddies army to uh, accept that definition rather than uh, the one floating around, I guess, on Wikipedia or elsewhere. Because, Steve, like you said, I think it's what's what's interesting to me because I know Tim and I have very often done the same thing where you look at the credits, right? Because who's mm-hmm. who's actually making this music? And what's fascinating is. It, like it is it was all the session musicians um in you know the mid to late 70s early 80s in southern california and the thing with session musicians is they are very good at what they do right like mm-hmm. there's a lot of sophistication there um it may not be it may not be like unbelievably edgy it may not be i guess the coolest thing you've ever heard but like they well, depends on who you ask. <laughs> right. right. Want to take a little issue with that? Go on. <laughs> I said it. You know, it may not be. Okay. But but uh, yeah, I just I think that that's important because uh, it's not. You know, let's all just understand here that it is not just um, rounded edges uh, white music. Like the, there are the session musicians who are doing this. Um, they have you a know. lot of respect for the music they're making. Yes, yes. exactly. And, and what's more, and I'll add to that, uh, when you get when you get into the early '80s, especially, there's this whole disco backlash mm. you know, where where pop radio sort of resegregates itself because nobody wants disco anymore. But it's still a lot of the same session musicians playing on the records by white pop artists and the records by black R&B artists that are coming out at the same time. They're just getting played in very different places, but it's a lot of the same people still making that music together. Now, I would like to point our listeners uh, to a an amazing playlist that you put together on Spotify. It is Yacht Rock a purist's history, and this is this is something you put together. It's 651 songs and counting. Okay, okay, you're right. It's it's there's amazing. always going to be more out there. Well, of course, and it's it's this incredible chronological listing and and, and sort of charting of the evolution of yacht rock that you have put together, Steve. Uh, yes. First of all, kudos. It's so amazing. It I just is love comprehensive. It yeah, I love it. I was listening <laughs> to it earlier today. Tremendous. Um, yeah, it's, it's up to like 40 plus hours now, too. He can <laughs> take, just take a week and go through this. <laughs> this is not just vibes, though. It's not like you're li- just saying, oh, that sounds like Yacht Rock to me. You are digging into the credits. You're following these sort of, uh, tr- you know, like the Steely Dan tree that you mentioned and, and the various branches, I'm sure. Um mm-hmm. How how did you I mean, you know how do you put something like this together? It's uh, how long has have you been working on this? First of all, I started right when the pandemic started. 
Uh-huh. And uh, not coincidentally, uh, my my pals and I signed our, our Yacht Rock book deal about a month before the pandemic. So this was partly this was partly a tool for me to to sort of get a feel for how the music evolved chronologically, and also something where I was like, I hope maybe people will want to listen to something soothing during the apocalypse. <laughs> um, but it was so the the the, the base of it was. Um, my, my Yacht Rock pals and I had been doing a podcast for a few years, mm-hmm. and the, the main body of it was we would try to make up new genres, like pre-exist, or around pre-existing music. <laughs> but all, we, every 10th episode, we would do a Yacht Rock special. You know, that was, our, that was our thing that we were known for, and people would contact us on Twitter and say, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, is this song Yacht Rock? What about this one? What about this one? And so we... It evolved into the into these uh, complimentary mini shows where we just answer answer Twitter questions about is this song yacht or nyat? Yeah, there we <laughs> go. Yacht or nyat? I love it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we we just kept up a database. Or actually, somebody somebody made us a website. One of our fans made us a website that had all the songs and our our, our ratings on the. We called it the Yatsky scale, developed by <laughs> developed by the great scientific mind of uh, Dr. Gene Yatsky. <laughs> we developed a, a scientific scale measuring uh, smoothness and yachtiness. I am on yachtornyacht.com right now, and I've I've it's not my first time visiting. I I love it because it is um, it is on a spectrum of how yachty a song is. It's not. A binary. This is a a hundred point scale Ooh. that you are all using to determine a song's yachtiness. That's so. Matt and I have, uh, and I dabble is not even uh, that's too strong a word, but we have um, tried to name some genres ourselves. Dumb rock being sort of the uh, you know the disturbed, the trapped's of the world. Wimpcore, that sort of singer songwriter into the 90s into the 2000s thing but we but i mean we have done no scientific effort what you have done here is titanic i just love i, I love this so much yeah like that's that's remarkable no this is it. um i guess you know off the back of that steve my question to you would be are you surprised um i mean i know it's, it's been you know several years but like after having just invented a genre, or I guess named a genre with your friends, like, it has a Wikipedia page. Uh, you've been asked about it a number of times. You had a podcast <laughs> about it. There's websites. People know what Yacht Rock is. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that sort of shocking? Because I would, you know, I would love to, <laughs> to name a genre and then have it become sort of <laughs> my defining work. But uh, what do you, I mean, what are your, is that... You know, I, were you angling for something like that, or were you just having fun and happened to be right? No, this was. I mean, this was. Um, we we made a narrative web series about it back in over two thousand five, two thousand six, which is still on was, YouTube, by the way, and folks yes, should check out. Yes, it's, yes. It's terrific. It is very good, and, <laughs> and a lot. Like I just hosted it. I, I would like to claim a lot more involvement with it than I actually can, but. Um, you know, it, it kind of it, it hit YouTube around the time when there just wasn't a lot of narrative content on mm. there. And, you know, it just kind of took off 
because I think people love people love, you know, musicals based on songs they already know. And that's kind of what it was. Mm. Yes. You know, all the all the and we did it mockumentary style. So it's a lot of like, here's how this amazing song came about. But it was done at a time when very few people thought these songs were amazing and didn't. And, you know, the people who did think they were amazing wouldn't come out and publicly say so because they'd be ridiculed. Mm. Of course. And so by us making it sort of a ridiculous comedy thing, you know, it, it allowed people, it, it, it allowed the snarkier elements of the, the, the audience. To, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I can enjoy this ironically. Ah. But then it also <laughs> freed up the people who genuinely liked it to just say, oh, yeah, this is great. And eventually the ironic people would like, like all these songs just burrow their ways into in the people's brains and they like you know a year or two later i still like this stuff i guess it's actually pretty good <laughs> like That's... i like the, the aesthetic is not objectionable to me anymore because i've lived with it and i can discern the quality behind it that's what i'd like to ask you next i mean are you obviously we've laid out the fact that you are a scholar and a historian of yacht rock do you count yourself as a fan? Do you, you must like this stuff quite a bit. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't really get into it. I like people tried to kind of shove it down my throat earlier in life, but I wasn't ready for it. It wasn't until I turned 30 that I was like, "Hmm. All right, what do 30-year-olds do?" Um <laughs> I'm going to I don't All right, here's what I'm going to do for my 30th birthday. I'm going to go to Amoeba Records. I'm going to buy all the Steely Dan albums on CD. <laughs> I'm going to start leaving parties early. I think that is what 30-year-olds do. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that resonates, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then we, we started doing the web series uh, not not too long after that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it was just hitting at the right time for me, personally. The web series we did for uh, uh, an event out here called Channel 101, which was started by uh, Dan Harmon of community and rick and morty fame Mm -hmm. and uh his writing partner at the time rob schraub and it was just you make a five minute tv show you know pilot yeah as they as they like to call it and it's supposed to be a narrative it's a narrative form it's not just a sketch it's supposed to be a series and the uh the the, there's a live audience that decides whether or not to vote you back for another episode Mm. renew you as it were so we made it for that and we just kept getting voted back for like a year Wow, because we because we apparently tapped into a a vein of of uh, hunger for this sort of thing that we had no idea existed. But once we put it in front of a live audience and got a huge reaction to it, oh oh goodness, I I, I it seems like we've got something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and then we put it on the internet and it started spreading around uh, over the internet. And uh, what do you know? People are still talking about it like 16 years later. <laughs> yeah, you really, you really had something there. I mean, that is that's incredible because, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know what I would have thought back then, but even in hindsight, I feel like you look at that, and you don't think people are really just craving yacht rock or or discussions of yacht rock, but I guess they were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I. Well, Who knew? <laughs> and I think, I think just the 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 beauty of it to me, Steve, is those two words "yacht rock" tell you a lot. <laughs> they go so far in explaining 
I, I know you, we've talked about how, the importance of, of credits and, and who's who's actually making this music, but the aesthetic is a big part of it. And, I mean, Kenny Loggins, that guy screams Yacht Rock. It, 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 it just... He screams yacht, I should just say. <laughs> he screams being on a nice boat. Right. And there's, that, yes, there's album covers of him on nice boats. Yes, exactly. And so the definition, I think, goes so far in uh, getting your getting your mind to activate and, and, and say, oh, I know what we're talking about. I, I, I know exactly what this is. Even if, you know, even if there's some debate... And, which is why Yacht or Nyat is a great uh, service. But so it, it gets you uh, over the starting line in a really nice way. I was going to say, I think, too, it was absolutely a genre that was... Um, that had clear enough edges that needed to be defined. So I guess thank you very much for your work in actually, uh, you know, sussing that out for us. Yeah, and I, if, if, if we had known this was going to go viral and we would be still talking about it 10, 15 years later, uh, I think we would have... Uh, the, the, the top of the first episode of the web series, all I really say is... Uh, from 1976 to 1984, the airwaves were dominated by really smooth music. <laughs> sure. And we just kind of left it. We left, we left it a little too open for yeah. what we were getting at. But, uh, you know, I think it, it, I don't know, maybe it helps that it's open-ended enough that people can just debate it for hmm. hours on end. Maybe <laughs> for years. That helps it. Yeah. Yeah, for, for years. <laughs> and they'll continue to, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, because we Matt and I like to talk uh, sort of social issues when we uh, do this mm. pod too, and and think about sort of the 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 culture and, and the the social climate around different musical things and trends mm-hmm. and and bands. And is there any level of um, stigma or anything that that you that you sense around yacht rock sort of the uh the culture not of the artists but of the consumer uh the sort of uh yuppie on a yacht uh not really considering uh you know not a, not a terribly class conscious type of person do you do you do you feel that there that's valid or or is that an unfair mark on the genre uh, it de- I, I guess it I mean it depends on whether you're talking about the audience for it then or the audience for it now. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely when we when we were thinking up the name of the genre, we were definitely thinking of you know the yuppie stereotype mm-hmm. out on their yachts, drinking expensive champagne, snorting the most expensive cocaine, uh, and playing these very high quality recordings on their expensive hi-fi equipment back home. <laughs> yes, um, th- you know it's. This, these records sound like a million bucks, and so, like in the case of Steely Dan's Gaucho, it literally did cost a million bucks just to make the record. Money, money—it sounds so high end and so polished, and you know they hire all the best players for these things. There's definitely, you know, uh, a sense of expense involved with this music, which to us was kind of ironic because you know um 30 30 years later you were picking these things up for a dollar at the record store (laughs) 
which is no longer true because now that we've we've helped create a demand for this mm-hmm. stuff again yeah you can't get these for a dollar anymore unless they're in terrible shape but but you know this was this was extremely budget-friendly entertainment for us when, <laughs> when we got into it and that's that's really all it boils down to at the end of the day when you're broke and living in la yep I think something that that was that's interesting to me that I want to come back to just briefly is, uh, so there have been a, a number of I mean when I see have seen um, publications and outlets try to address um, yacht rock in any sort of uh, socio-economic political sense, the the prevailing take seems to be that um, you know this was sort of the dying breath of apolitical music, right? Just a music in a bubble, right? Uh, there was not a lot of social outrage or unrest being expressed through Yacht Rock. So I guess my question to you then, Steve, is like, keeping in mind that, well, the way that you correctly, of course, described Yacht Rock as, as uh, white I mean, these musicians were aware of of black music. Do you do you see any like, I guess, lasting political? I don't know what the term is. Undertones, implications of it, or is it actually just like as a political and um, well? You could play it at a barbecue and yeah, and no matter the the political stripes of your attendees, everyone can can agree that this is good music. Just and, inoffensive, and yeah. Just nice, good music. Yeah, I would say I would say that's part of its appeal. It's uh, you know you you can uh, you can read some some implications into Steely Dan's lyrics and. how the the extent they go towards making fun of their own audience but um but yeah it's it's a lot of uh you know these these guys were music nerds these these guys are really into the nuts and bolts of music and the lyrics to them were kind of secondary a lot of the time so you didn't necessarily have like real ambitious political statements going on it's a lot about like you know, we talk about this on our podcast a lot, but it, a lot of the perspective of Yara is like, I'm the lovelorn fool with the broken heart. They, boy, do they love to use the word fool in their lyrics. The fool, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> call me Deacon Blues. Just, uh, oh, yeah. Right. Play the saxophone and drink whiskey. That's, yeah, it, 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 it is sort of uh, just a, a tone poem of. Uh, being a little sad and probably somewhat rich and <laughs> an introspective, nice <laughs> yeah. But it, something interesting that we found uh, researching this book is that because a lot of these guys are such highly trained, musically ambitious, you know, musos as they like to say. Uh, mm-hmm. To them, what's really subversive about yacht rock is. They got to sneak all these jazz harmonies onto pop radio. Like in their minds, yes. the corporate suits are like, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to dumb it down. You got to dumb it down for the dumb audiences out there. They're not going to go for this. And because none of them know anything about music, they're like, oh, I'm going to sneak, I'm going to sneak a, 
I'm gonna sneak a major seventh chord into this progression. I don't even use this. Oh man. Use a diminished transition. Then we're gonna key. We're gonna modulate the key up to this for this part. They're gonna put it back down there for the verse. <laughs> so to them, the, the, the nuts and bolts song construction behind you know the chord progressions and the melodies and all the all the the basic musical elements. To them, that's that's what they were getting away with. Like they yeah. got, like I can't believe we got this snuck on the pop radio, man. This is so cool. We're we're a bunch of hip cats. Yep. That is that is extremely well put because you know, you can just imagine that there's nothing a music nerd would love more than putting an augmented chord somewhere up in the Billboard right. Hot One Hundred. Exactly. Like that's gotta feel so good, you know? Exactly. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Amazing. Steve we are uh, so grateful that you've joined us. If, if you would indulge us for a quick lightning round, would that be sure. okay with you? Quick questions, quick sure. answers. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's do this. We're going to fire away right now. All right, Steve. Best Steely Dan album. Asia. Is Bruno Mars cool? Yes. Does life exist beyond Earth? Yes. What is the best Michael Jackson song? Baby Be Mine. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, do you do any impressions? Uh, it's fine if the answer is yes, no. Yes, but I don't remember okay. off the top of my head what they okay. are. That's fine. I, I, that's my no answer, problem. too. <laughs> all right, here, okay, here's, all right, I remember one. Okay. Here's here's a, here's my impression of a uh, cult stand-up comedian Neil Hamburger if he were to do a politics block. <laughs> Why did the Democratic senator cross the road to pick up his suitcase full of bribe money? <laughs> and scene. <laughs> That's phenomenal. terrific. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, do you believe that there is such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism? Eh, probably not. <laughs> Country music, good or bad? Mostly good. Maybe not the recent stuff, but you know, <laughs> up, up until about up until about Garth Brooks, it's uh, there's so much good yeah, stuff. Yeah, terrific. All right, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> There are no right answers, but you're given a lot of right answers. <laughs> Have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? No. Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone? Of course not. <laughs> how, how do you feel about autotune? Eh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the show The Masked Singer? Haven't seen it. Does it interest you? I feel like if it did, I would have seen it by now. <laughs> and finally, whose kiss is on your list? <laughs> uh, my lady friend. That's the right answer. My lady friend, Patricia. Real nice lady. There we there go. go. She's great. Oh, she sounds incredible. Steve Huey, Hollywood Steve, you are great. We are so glad you could join us. Please um, where, uh, let us know where can folks find you? What are you working on? What should folks watch for? Uh, you, can, you can find me on Twitter at Hollywood Steve H. 
all one, no underscores or anything. Instagram is uh, Hollywood underscore Steve, I think. We'll try it. I don't remember if there's an underscore. If there's not an underscore, then just go Use to that Use the one. search function, <laughs> gang. You can figure it out. <laughs> They'll find it. <laughs> and uh, I am working. Uh, I am working with my Yacht Rock podcast pals on a book about Yacht Rock to be published, scheduled to be published in the spring or summer of 2022 by Little Brown UK. Uh, American rights to be determined. Maybe it'll be picked up <laughs> by Little Brown. Maybe another place. We don't know yet. We're just going to see how it goes. I think we have a, a, a decent uh, base of listeners in England, anyhow. So uh, we'll. Uh, oh, terrific. Yeah, so you know what? Don't even release it in America. No point. <laughs> just the UK. It's fine. <laughs> then they'll get. Then they'll get. Then they'll get everything. Like color will be spelled with a U, and it'll be very. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Very upset. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. We'll keep an eye out for the book and we'll, uh, we'll check you out on Twitter. I, inc- I will link in the show notes. Also your Spotify playlist, your comprehensive oh, yacht rock playlist. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Steve, you've been great. We're so glad you could join us today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's great to get the word out about proper yacht rock. <laughs> See you on the internet. There he goes. Hollywood, Steve Huey, our first, Bo- I mean, here's the thing. I want to give a lot of credit to Caleb Steele, to Club Steele. But, and, 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 and Club, I'm sure you're listening right now. Uh, we love you, and we love having you on the pod. But look, man. But listen. <laughs> you didn't um, You didn't define it, the terms of a genre. So You don't live in Hollywood. I don't know. It's, you know, he's got Hollywood in his name. Yeah. Hollywood Steve. And also, 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 let me just sort of put a hair shirt over Tim's head and a a matching one over mine, because it's not like we couldn't have gotten other guests ever on this pod. We could. Of course. Look at us. Of course we could. (laughs) (laughs) But look, truly, really nice to have uh, a, a... Bonafide, certified guy from from Hollywood, um, <laughs> on to talk about something that he really knows about that happily uh, coincides with our own interests. I guess someone for someone for whom I believe it is always it is all about the tunes. Yeah, it really seemed like it. Really you tell. exemplified that ethos. Ear buddies, we'll continue in a moment. This episode of Ear Buddies, well, it's brought to you by uh, our most prolific sponsor, Matt. It's Ben Affleck. He's back. He cannot stay away, and who could blame him? He loves this show, uh, and perhaps it's because we give him uh, really, <laughs> really good uh, testimonials, and, and I mean, we, we sell the guy so much so that 
a week after his first ad, he got back with J Lo. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've, we've said it before. The results but are right there. Yeah, that's a big pat on the back for for the buddies here. <laughs> uh, and so Ben is uh, Ben is back on ear buddies. He and Jennifer Lopez are uh, happy. It seems they are. Uh, I mean, Matt. Here's the thing. It's not like Ben has a big project or anything. Uh, no. I mean, really, it seems like Ben's project has been himself. <laughs> Which can sometimes be the most challenging one of all. He shaved? Um, yeah, he Got shaved. Got a little haircut? He stopped going to Dunkin' every day. Uh, <laughs> although, you know what? That's not for us to comment on, so no. back well, off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Ben can do whatever he wants, but it does seem that, uh, you know, he's... Engaging in a little bit of self-care. He's on boats with J-Lo. He's... Um, He's on yachts with J-Lo. Well, yeah, right. That guy. I bet he likes Yacht Rock. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a recent headline from E.T. Online. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez go casual for movie date with their kids. I mean... <laughs> oh, man. What? Think about where we were earlier this year. Yep. It was Ben falling into thirst traps. It yeah. was Ben stumbling over himself, looking perpetually hungover, carrying those donuts. And now look, casual movie date with the kids. And that's and that's from that's I mean, news. Well, here's the thing. No news is good news. And that is clearly <laughs> something along the lines of no news. Right? I mean, it is okay, I will say it is nice to know that oh yeah. that people who we admire and whose work we appreciate uh are having nice times with I guess the kids, their families and and their mm -hmm. loved ones. So I do like to hear that, but not as an exploitative thing. Um I you know here at Ear Buddies we don't traffic in that sort of news. No, but I will say it's very nice to know that he's just having a quiet sort of December. I guess. <laughs> I um, mean, yeah. Would you like to know how he plans on spending his holidays, Matt? Yeah, please share. A source told ET that the couple is quote still planning on spending Christmas together and are wanting to make it as special as possible for their kids, end quote. Well, what else can you say, really? I, this is a guy who, I mean, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a believer in, uh, in the sufficient self. I think, <laughs> you know, we should all uh, strive to, to be our best selves with or without uh, uh, romance or, or love. But right, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. But but if J Lo <laughs> comes back into your life, it seems like maybe you're going to be doing just a little bit better. Just a little. Just you know, <laughs> she seems like. Well, I mean, those two seem <laughs> just so happy. So happy. I mean, <laughs> they nothing can keep them apart. Obviously, and and. Just to know that that things are going so well that no one can really say anything except for they're wearing sweatpants to a movie. Like that's the life, man. Ben, I, I proud of proud of Ben. I'm proud of Ben. They went to see Licorice Pizza with the kids. 
And it's a good like kids they- film. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Ben is a big Paul Thomas Anderson head, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year from, consider this a Christmas card, Matt, from Ben, Jennifer, and the whole family. <laughs> the whole gang. Merry Christmas from Ben. Welcome back to Ear Buddies. I can feel it, Matt. I can feel the momentum building. We're we're booking guests. We're following through. We never miss a Monday. <laughs> we got a merch store. We are earning probably a, some sort of livable income, I would imagine. At, at least like 15 or $20. Yes, it's, uh, it's good. And you know what makes it better, Matt? Tell me. Being right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, the Maharishi. <laughs> Coming to you with talent on loan from God. Half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. It's me, Rush Limbaugh. Matt. Tim, that is a uh, concerningly good Rush Limbaugh right there. <laughs> That's. Well, I mean, it is it is I. <laughs> El Rushbo. <laughs> Back from the grave. Hey, Tim, what's up? How are you? How are things? Hey, well, look, I'm here behind the golden microphone in the EIB network to say that once again, you and I were there at the finish line 10 minutes before the rest of the runners. Oh, don't get me started. I'm furious. I feel like El Rushbo probably felt every day of his life right now. <laughs> Irate hypertension. <laughs> just, <laughs> just mad. Yeah, red in the upset. face because he's so right. Yes. He's so right. And we are so right. Tim, tell our listeners, if you would, if you can, I would. If you can get the words out through your clenched teeth, <laughs> how right we were. And about what we were right about. Matt, it was September 20th when our 25th episode came out, entitled Friends Don't Let Friends Become Jazz Guys. September. You and I laid out a defense of Kenny G. We went to bat for old Ken, defended him from... Uh, gatekeepers in the jazz community and purists uh, who say that he's not making real jazz music and we said back off stop being elitist Mm -hmm. and let people enjoy the music they like yes we did in this case Kenneth G and and we did that uh, not even (laughs) as fans of Kenny G just as good and correct people uh, who want the world to be a little bit better well, wouldn't you know it, Matt, along comes a documentary on HBO Max all about Ken, all about the Gorlick himself. <sighs> Basically, doing exactly what we just did. Do they have, did they bug our computers? Did 
they, they microchip us? our pod? I can't. Everybody's <laughs> What's happening. Everyone is listening to the pod. Yeah. Well, certainly. Yeah. Listen. Everyone's listening, and no one is citing. Just cite us. That's, cite us. That's all we ask. Uh, listening to Kenny G. It is a new documentary that explores why the music of one of the best-selling instrumental artists of all time is reviled by so many. Oh, you know they get into uh, the the beef with Pat Metheny. Mm. Of course they do. Because we you did. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, gang, don't go watch this documentary because you've already seen it. You know everything that they have to say. Now, we are an audio medium. And HBO is always going to have one up on us because they've got fancy video cameras. Yeah. They've got flashy budgets. You and I, it's a mom and pop operation here, Matt. Yep. We don't have the budget to turn this into a video program. We don't have the budget to call up Kenny G ourselves. And I mean, listen, we're getting guests. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's a couple years out from Kenny G, I would say. I would say, yeah, it's going to take a little bit Be realistic. more work. Um, but HBO, of course, they can they can spare no expense. They can do whatever they want. It's hard, Matt. It's hard to hard to be this right all the time. And no, it's it's infuriating, you know. Tim. And <laughs> and to see all the news coverage on this because of mm. course, of course, HBO puts out any darn thing, right? And the media. Yeah. <laughs> the media is just <laughs> the lamestream drive-by <laughs> media. They're all over it like a pack of hounds on a steak. Like they can't. And HBO puts out anything, and it's news, right? Your buddies puts out everything, and <laughs> no one's talking about it. But here's Very what I mean. Deep. Here's what I mean. The New Yorker, CNN. Mm. NPR, the New York Times. These are just a few of the uh, tiny little weak soldiers in the lamestream media. <laughs> and they and many other little soldiers have written long, searching, introspective uh, pieces on this documentary reading through the new yorker article well there are actually mm-hmm. i say the there is more there than one there are a couple yeah yeah uh it's, you know what it's called it's called does kenny g make good music and then essentially what it does is gives an outline of exactly what we already said here of on your buddies, buddies episode 25 yeah, exactly exactly it just and and it's not it's not it's not annoying to be right it's actually great to be right i think tim you would agree uh, uh, oh definitely i mean it's the, it's one of the best feelings in the world but <laughs> but the fact that we are doing all of this work more or less unpaid i can't say completely because of the merch store but we are working so hard putting in so many hours and then we just keep getting ripped off like not even scooped because we're scooping these people oh that's the thing we're doing the scooping bud but it doesn't matter because we have a tiny little spoon and the lamestream media has essentially just a a bucket and they're they they act like they were there first and it's like what can two brown haired (laughs) white 
Midwestern-born men, fellas, we can't. We we have no recourse here. Like we're 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 dead in the water. We can't. I'm not gonna call David Remnick and tell him to to step down. I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> it's terrible. It's so frustrating. And and you know this this rant. It's not gonna change anything. No, it help. It's it's cathartic, but it doesn't really help. <laughs> No, the editor-in-chief of the New Yorker, the folks at the Ringer, they're not going to suddenly sprout a conscience. <laughs> no, no. They're going to do what they always do, which is send their lackeys, I guess, to go s- scour the, the Apple and Spotify podcast list for, for pods. Simmons. That. Hey, yeah. Bill, you listening? Hey, Bill. You know Bill. You know Bill or one of his gargoyles is listening right now. <laughs> hey, listen up, gargoyles. If you when you when they end up doing, you know what HBO or I don't know uh, Netflix, they're coming out. I guarantee you, they will come out with a yacht rock documentary. And oh, no question, they're gonna act like we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna call up Steve Huey a good five months after we did and act like they had some big bright idea. Yep. Steve, being a good person, is going to go on, you know, and, and accept those media media requests. Yeah, not Steve's fault. I do the same thing. Of course. Yeah, we don't blame Steve one bit. We just say, to all you gargoyles out there, <laughs> you freaking pepperoni pizzas, <laughs> go back to your ideals and don't come back until you're willing to give proper credit to the work that's actually being done. We want some. Sh- we want to be given shrift. We want some shrift. And if you can't af- afford, or uh, if your conscience doesn't force you to do that, then what do you do? I mean, it, it, Tim, this is useless. It's the lamestream media we're talking about here. <laughs> it's the drive-bys, dude. We're not. are not. We're not going to get any help. Ugh. We have to fight for everything we've earned. <laughs> We're not accepting handouts. We're not charity cases. We don't, we don't have our Obama phones. We, we're paying for our cell phones with our honest pay for our honest work. American currency. Doesn't matter. I, I'd Doesn't love matter. to. I'd love to send those libs to Gitmo. <laughs> yeah, me too. But that's that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Yeah, but we should. <laughs> well, I hate, I hate ending a podcast, especially one uh, as, um, well, as notable as this one. Yeah, on, it, it went a, so well. On a sour it so note, well. it, it went really well. I'm trying to put myself back in that A block headspace of Steve Huey actually on our call and answering our questions. And and I want to end this episode with gratitude. And peace on Earth. But it is difficult to. (laughs) But I would also like that. We have to try. Talk to you later, buddy. Talk to you later, buddy.